All right, this is a weird one today. I'm just warning you. This is, this is weird. I mean, even for numbers, this is weird. Numbers chapter 5, verses 11 through 31. Here's the word of the Lord. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel. If any man's wife goes astray and breaks faith with him, if a man lies with her sexually and it is hidden from the eyes of her husband and she is undetected, though she has defiled herself, and there is no witness against her since she was not taken in the act, and if the spirit of jealousy comes over him and he is jealous of his wife who has defiled herself, or if the spirit of jealousy comes over him and he is jealous of his, of his wife though she has not defiled herself, then the man shall bring his wife to the priest and bring the offering required of her, a tenth of an ephah of barley flour. He shall pour no oil on it and put no frankincense on it, for it is a grain offering of jealousy, a grain offering of remembrance, bringing iniquity to remembrance. And the priest shall bring her near and set her before the Lord. And the priest shall take holy water in an earthenware vessel and take some of the dust that is on the floor of the tabernacle and put it into the water. And the priest shall set the woman before the Lord and unbind the hair of the woman's head and place in her hands the grain offering of remembrance, which is the grain offering of jealousy. And in his hand the priest shall uh, have the water of bitterness that brings the curse. Then the priest shall make her take an oath, saying, If no man has lain with you, and if you have not turned aside to uncleanness while you were under your husband's authority, be free from this water of bitterness that brings the curse. But if you have gone astray, though you are under your husband's authority, and if you have defiled yourself, and some man other than your husband has lain with you, then let the priest make the woman take the oath of the curse and say to the woman, The Lord make you a curse and an oath among your people, when the Lord makes your thigh fall away and your body swell. May, the, may this water that brings the curse pass into your bowels and make your womb swell and your thigh fall away. And the woman shall say, Amen, Amen. Then the priest shall write these curses in a book and wash them into the water of bitterness. And he shall make the woman drink the water that, of bitterness that brings the curse. And the water that brings the curse shall enter into her and cause bitter pain. And the priest shall take the grain offering of jealousy out of the woman's hand and shall wave the grain offering before the Lord and bring it to the altar. And the priest shall take a handful of the grain offering as its memorial portion and burn it on the altar and afterwards shall make the woman drink the water. And when he has made her drink the water, then if she has defiled herself and has broken faith with her husband, the water that brings the curse shall enter into her and cause bitter pain, and her womb shall swell, and her thigh shall fall away, and the woman shall become a curse among her people. But if the woman has not defiled herself and is clean, then she shall be free and shall conceive children. This is the law in cases of jealousy. When a wife, though under her husband's authority, goes astray and defiles herself, or when the spirit of jealousy comes over a man and he is jealous of his wife. Then he shall set the woman before the Lord, and the priest shall carry out for her all this law. The man shall be free from iniquity, the woman shall bear her iniquity. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of your word, and we thank you that all of it is profitable for us. 
We pray that you would show us today how this is profitable for us. We pray that you would show us Jesus today, that we would be able to turn our eyes uh, to Jesus. And, and, and we pray that you would help us to see um, how serious you are uh, about marriage. And, and then also that you would help us to see how serious you are about redeeming us. And that we would be um, even more urgent about being faithful to you because of our time in your word this morning. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so let's recap these verses. This was, um, the, the, just, just to make sure that we're all on the same page here, we understand what Scripture is saying here. Um, so this is, a, this is a ritual. This is a law um, that, that God gave to Moses to give to the people. This is something that they were to do. If a husband thought that his wife had been unfaithful to him, if a husband thought that his wife had slept with another man, but he couldn't prove it, they, they weren't caught in the act, and so they, they don't, there's, other, there's other laws for if a man and a woman are caught in adultery, what is to happen to them? Uh, but this is not that. This is not them being caught. This is just the husband being jealous. He's being suspicious. Here's what he is to do. He's to go with his wife to the priest. He's to take a grain offering, which is sort of a reminder before the Lord um, that there is sin here, or there's the possibility of sin here. And then, um, when they get to the priest... Um, the, the priest is going to take holy water from the tabernacle and he is going to put it into an earthen like jar or cup. And then he will take dust from the floor of the tabernacle and put it in that water. So now you have dusty water here. And then he writes out this curse. And the curse means, you, you, to, to, to the lady, it means you're going to drink this water if um, you are guilty of adultery, if you are guilty of adultery, then um, this water, God is going to use this water and God is going to make your um, thigh fall away and your womb swell. Um, it's, there's a lot of debate as to what that actually medically, technically means, but the, 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 um, the big takeaway is that she won't be able to conceive children. She won't be able to have children. And um, so if she is guilty of adultery, that is God, is, God will use this water and, and produce that effect in her. If she's innocent, nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. She'll be fine. So he writes out that curse and the, and, and the woman says, Amen, Amen. She accepts her fate before the Lord. He takes the offering. He, he gives it to the Lord. She drinks the cup of bitter water. And then we know whether she was guilty or whether she was innocent. Weird, right? This is weird. This is the only thing like this in the Bible. This is called a trial by ordeal. This is the only one prescribed in the Bible. There are other times God makes his people go through a testing like this to see if they are guilty or innocent or to locate the guilty person. That happens in the Old Testament. 
But this is the only, this is the only one on the books. This is the only ritual that people were to live by. And we get to talk about it this morning. So, yay! Why is this here? One of my favorite things about, um, I was, I was talking to, uh, an Ethiopian friend of mine named Habatamu, um, one of my favorite people in the world. And, uh, he is studying right now at Master Seminary in California, and he wants to, his, his, his long-term dream is to go back to Ethiopia and plant churches. Um, and so, one of these days, if he, when he graduates from seminary, I may be talking to you guys about supporting him. I don't know. But, um, I just, I love him. And I, um, and, uh, Hob Tamu says, you know, he's talking about how the church is going, and he, and he goes, he goes, so you're, you're still, you're still preaching expository sermons. And I said, yep, I'm still preaching. He was my, he was out in our church plant out in Brockton in Massachusetts. And he goes, you're still preaching expository sermons. And he, he, I go, yep. He goes, do the people, do people like it? Do they like the word of God? I said, yeah, the people love the word of God. He goes, that's great. He goes, that's God's grace to you. I said, yes, it is. I was like, one of my favorite things about preaching to you people is you love the word of God. It's easy to preach to people who want to hear the word of God. I love it. And I, and, and you believe, like we went through 2 Timothy, you believe and I believe that all scripture is profitable. But we have to then ask ourselves, how is this profitable? Why is this here? Why is this ritual, why was it ever a thing, and why has it been recorded for us in God's holy word? I think there are three, um, ways that this passage is helpful, that this passage helps us to understand who God is, it helps us to live the way God would have us to live, it helps us to believe the gospel. I think there are, there are three ways that this passage instructs us. It's good for our, it's good for our instruction, it's good for our righteousness, it's good to equip us for every good work. Three ways. This, this passage shows us, one, it shows us how God protects faithful women. How God protects faithful women. And then we're going to see how God values faithful marriage. And then the third thing, we're going to see how God saves unfaithful people. So I think as we look at this passage, we see those three things. There's three ways this is helpful. It shows us how God protects faithful women, how God values faithful marriage, and how God saves unfaithful people. So let's think about these three things together. Number one, this is probably the only surprising one for you guys, um, but as I read this chapter, this, these, this passage, and I read about this passage this week, as I studied this out, I became convinced that this is God being kind to faithful women. This is God protecting Faithful women. Um, when you first look at this, this seems, it, it might even seem like chauvinistic, or it might even seem like, like it's, like it's unkind to women. Um, because really it's a, a husband, and all he has to do is just be jealous, and he can make his wife go through all of this. If a husband is jealous, just based on that, based on his jealousy, based on his suspicion, he can, he can make his wife go through this ordeal. And and I, after we talk about this this morning, and after I preach this sermon, it's quite possible, it's more than likely that you'll still have a few questions. I still have a few questions about this passage myself. 
Uh, but I am convinced, I am convinced that this is God not being cruel to women. This is, or unfair to women. This is God being kind, protecting faithful women. There's a couple of ways that we see that God is protecting faithful women through this ritual. First, it, it stops the husband from taking matters into his own hands. I, I, I don't need to convince you of this, but throughout history, um, we've seen, up to this present date, we've seen men do all kinds of horrible things to their wives in the, in the name of jealousy. It, I don't, I, you could ask John Leeper back there, like, how many violent crimes happen and the, the, the chief driving motivation was a jealous husband. It, it, it's bad news. And we know that, that women, um, have always been more vulnerable, more susceptible to abuse than husbands are. We also know, of course, that, that sometimes the men are the ones who are treated, or treated unjustly or cruelly. But most of the time, the wives are the ones suffering. And, and during this day, ancient Near East, it probably could have been even scarier for the, for the woman because, um, and then there was less of a safety net for a woman. If a, if a husband turned against her, whether he had the right to or not, he could, he could make life miserable for her, even in ways that that wouldn't be possible today. She has more of a safety net today than she would have back then. There's a, there are a lot of instances in the ancient Near East where a husband becomes jealous of his wife and then she just disappears. She's gone. No questions asked. It would have been very difficult for her if she would have been turned out by her husband in this day um, to... to to do anything but end up destitute. She would have ended up in poverty or as an outcast or maybe even dead. So what this law does is it stops jealous husbands in their tracks. If you're a husband and you're suspicious of your wife, before you go through all of this, you're going to be pretty sure. You're going to be pretty sure. This takes matters out of the husband's hand. He's not allowed now to just go vigilante and do whatever he wants to do. So this protects her. This protects her. The, the husband now can't be the judge, jury, and executioner. He has to take the matter to the priest. He, he has to essentially take his case to God. He cannot take matters into his own hands. And then the other thing here that shows that this is God protecting faithful women, is, is this um, ritual requires God to give a guilty verdict. So, listen carefully, because this sets it apart from any other kind of ritual like this. This right here, if the woman is to be proved guilty, it would take a miracle. It would take a miracle to prove the woman, woman guilty. That's the exact opposite of any other, of any other ritual like this that we find in the ancient Near East. 
In the ancient Near East, if you would have traveled outside of the camp of Israel and you would have gone to one of the surrounding nations and you would have found a jealous husband, it would not have been uncommon at all for that jealous husband to take his, to, to see if he was right, to prove adultery. He would have his wife's hand taken and, and submerged into scalding hot water. And she would hold it there. And then when she pulled it out, if she was burnt, that meant she was guilty. Wait, what? What? The Code of Hammurabi, and I love the Code of Hammurabi because I am a nerd, but um, Code of Hammurabi, I don't, I don't love it as, you know, good laws for today, but I love it because it is this almost complete set of laws that govern the life of ancient Babylon. And we have almost a complete set so we can study out just how life went in, in ancient Babylon. And so I know... You don't care. But I do. Code of Hammurabi says that if a, a, a husband is jealous of his wife, he can have her thrown into the river. If she survives, she's innocent. If she drowns, which happened 98.9% of the time, oh, she was guilty. Do you see, what, you see what's happening here? It would, take a, it would take a miracle in any other culture to prove the wife innocent. She was guilty until proven innocent. And here in the way God has set it up, it's the exact opposite. She's innocent until proven guilty. This is God protecting, this is God protecting the faithful women. See, now it would be, it would be wonderful if we lived in a perfect world. If we lived in a, a perfect world where, um, the, you know, every husband led his home with wisdom and humility and courage and love, and every husband laid down his life for his bride to protect her and to comfort her and, uh, and to, to make sure that she um, was valued and appreciated and, and that she was, always, she was always confident of his love for her. In a perfect world, yes. In a perfect world, there would be no suspicion. There would be no reason for suspicion. It would be awesome. In a perfect world, a husband would never use his advantage over his wife. Throughout history, most of the time, the husband has the financial advantage, he has the physical advantage, he has the advantage in society. If he decides something, if, and if for some reason that marriage breaks up, he's going to be fine financially and physically and in society. He'll be fine, but the woman oftentimes would be destitute, outcast. And so that husband can hold that over her. In a perfect world, that would never happen. We don't live in a perfect world. So God has been kind. Now listen carefully, I keep saying, God is being kind to faithful women. He's protecting faithful women. Because now we have to look at the other thing this law shows us. The other thing this law shows us is that God values Faithful marriage. There's a flip side to this. There's a flip side to this. I mean, if a if the um, the, the the woman drinks this water with this dust in it, right? If she drinks this water in this dust in it. Um, nothing is going to happen to her if she's faithful. If she's been faithful, if she's been true, 
Nothing will happen to her. Will it be a little gross? Yes. Is this a little bit embarrassing for both husband and wife? Yes. Is it kind of awkward and you still got some weird questions? Yes. But it's not going to hurt the woman. It's kind of like um, Haddon, Haddon, uh, Haddon's back there somewhere being quiet for the moment, so I'm not going to say her name too much because then she'll start talking to me. But Haddon, our two-year-old, um, when we sweep the kitchen floor, um, you make a, a pile there, and it's got dust and hair and whatever on the, sweet, on, the, on, the, on the kitchen floor. But there's also a blueberry in there or a piece of cereal, something that Haddon wants to eat. And so while I go to get the dustpan, she scoots over there and picks up out of that dust, you know, a blueberry or anything that catches her eye, really. Right? Because, because she's gross. Now, that, that dusty blueberry, it doesn't hurt her, right? I mean, all of my kids at, at that age, and look, no side effects. So, yeah, they're all super normal, high-functioning humans. So, um, yeah, no side effects whatsoever. That's basically what we have here. It's, it's gross. It's not going to be pleasant. But it won't hurt. It will not hurt the wife. Unless, unless she has committed adultery. Then it will. It will. There will be serious, serious effects if she has committed adultery. See, what God is showing us here. Um, and he's reminding not only unfaithful wives, but he's, un, he's reminding unfaithful husbands because the, 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 the um, Old Testament is filled with warnings. God has a high premium, a high value on marriage. He expects that man and that wife to be faithful to each other. And if you read through the Old Testament, you will see he is not messing around. Men and women who were caught in the act of adultery oftentimes were just to be put to death. This is the law in the Old Testament. This is, they're not messing around. God values faithful, biblical marriage. If you read through the Bible, you will come away convinced that God wants marriage to be between one man and one woman. And he expects that that man and that woman will be faithful to each other. And this is not just an Old Testament thing. Jesus says in the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Jesus says in Mark 10, Therefore man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Jesus reaffirms God has a very clear design for marriage. Sleeping with someone you're not married to is a sin against God. Sleeping with someone from your own gender is a sin against God. Rejecting the gender you were born with is a sin against God. Pornography and adultery and spousal abuse are sins against God. God has a very specific design for marriage in the Bible. And he has very severe punishment for those who reject his design. To God, a faithful marriage is a beautiful thing. I mean, it is a beautiful thing. It is, I mean, and, and, and we know this. Marriage is one of the greatest sources of joy in our lives. It is what helps us to have joy and comfort and pleasure as we go through the ups and downs of life. It is this wonderful 
a context if God allows us to, to have children, to adopt or to foster, to have our own biblical children or some, or biological children or some like combination of, of all that. If, if God allows children in our home, the, a, a Christian biblical faithful marriage is this wonderful context to teach children how to love and follow Jesus. Biblical marriage shows the world around us, shows the watching world around us what it means to obey God no matter what the society norms are. No matter what regular normal people out in the world are saying about sex and marriage and relationships and and what we really need to abide by and what we don't need to abide by, someone who is committed to biblical faithful marriage shows the world, what it means to value the ways of God. To believe that God is good and wise, no matter what everybody else is saying. And because God is committed to upholding the beauty and the goodness of faithful biblical marriage, He is going to punish those who live in rejection of it. So if you decide to live in rejection, to do your life your way in a way that rejects God's design for marriage, if you decide to reject God and and not to repent, not to confess your sin, and just to go with it, just to live in it, then you will pay for that. This, This ritual reminds us how serious God is about this. Either in this life or in the life to come, you will pay if you live in rejection. So this is a this is a very interesting passage here. It's a very interesting ritual for the for the faithful man and the faithful wife when they saw this ritual played out in the lives of their friends. If they were if they were faithful to each other, this would be a source of comfort to them because it would remind them God is protecting us. God values what we're doing and he has set society in a way where we are protected. And then if they were unfaithful to each other, it would be this very severe warning that God hates unfaithfulness and He will punish it. Repent now! So this passage shows us those two things so far. It shows how God protects faithful women and it also shows how God values faithful marriage. And now finally, it shows us how God saves unfaithful people. How God saves unfaithful people. Jesus in the book of Luke, toward the end of it, he tells us the book of Numbers, all these books in the Old Testament, are pointing to me. They're pointing to me. This is the, the Old Testament is the story of me before I got here, Jesus says. It's a story about how. I would show up and make everything right. So what God is doing, He's doing three things here. He's showing us how He protects faithful women, how He values faithful marriage, and He's also getting us ready for Jesus. He's showing us how He saves unfaithful people. God is getting His people ready for Jesus. One of the, one of the great themes running through the whole Old Testament is the theme of God as a jealous husband. You'll hear this a lot in the Old Testament. God is a jealous husband, and will His bride be faithful? Will His bride be 
faithful. It is a, it, the whole Old Testament is kind of like one big jealousy test. Are, are, are they going to be faithful or are they not? And, and one of the big words for sin in the Old Testament is adultery. It's adultery. It's the, it's a, it's a spiritual adultery. If you, if you read through Ezekiel, and maybe don't read this one aloud with your small children. Ezekiel has a lot of graphic language. You can read it aloud with them, but you'll have a lot of explaining to do. So, either way is fine. You might want to start somewhere else, is all I'm saying. Ezekiel's got a lot of graphic language. It's showing us God's, God's view of sin. It is, it is adultery. It is unfaithfulness. When God's people are unfaithful to Him, God has very graphic language for it. The book of Hosea shows us this, doesn't it? God's people are unfaithful to Him. They are spiritually adulterous. This is a theme that runs through the Old Testament, and it's a theme that has very, very close ties to our ritual today. If you think about, um, if you were to go back in Exodus, and you were, you, do you remember when the, Moses was up on the mountain? Moses is up on the mountain, right? And, and he's receiving the Ten Commandments from the Lord, proclaiming that this golden calf is what rescued them from Egypt. This is idolatry and it's adultery. This is spiritual unfaithfulness. What does Moses have Aaron do? He has Aaron melt that cow down, grind it into dust, pour it into water, and make the people drink it. We have this ritual on a big stage. And many, many, many people die that day. They are found guilty and they die. God is jealous. His wife was unfaithful. Many, many people died. And the thing is, you and I know, of course, that if God would say to us, as a jealous husband, He would say to us, have you been faithful? Have you kept the law? Have you obeyed the Word of God? Have you loved Me above all things? Have you been faithful and true? We know that we would say no. We have been unfaithful. And this is why we love the story. John chapter 4, we love the story of the woman at the well. I almost started crying when we were singing. You guys were singing. I was mostly listening and trying not to cry. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And so I'm going to try not to cry here because I'm super manly and I don't want to ruin my image. Um, John chapter 4. Jesus comes to the woman at the well. You guys know this story. And she is both physically adulterous, and she is spiritually adulterous. She has been unfaithful. She's now, she's had five husbands, and she's living with a man she's not married to. And she has been unfaithful to God. She is me and you. She is me and you. That's who she is. Unfaithful to God. 
What does Jesus do? Does Jesus make her drink bitter water? He offers her water, but is it bitter water? Is it water mixed with dust? No, he gives her living water. He gives her what her heart was yearning for. He gives her salvation. See, Jesus is going to drink the cup of bitter water that you and I deserve. And he's going to take the the judgment that comes after it as well. Jesus does this for us. There's no way we would have passed this test. There's no way we would have passed this test. So Jesus took our judgment for us. We get that deep into our hearts. This helps us. It helps us to value marriage. It helps us to to want to show how much God loves us and how faithful He is to us with the way that we are faithful to our spouses, with the way that we love our spouses. It it helps us to, to want to be faithful to God in all areas of our lives. We want to honor and value and uphold the Word of God and God's glory and God's way of doing things. As the Gospel gets deeper into us, this, this idea that, I mean, can you imagine just being there and, and having to drink that water and just knowing that you are guilty and knowing that judgment is coming and then just having that water taken out of your hand and say, no, I'll, I'll drink that and I'll take the judgment that comes. That's who we are and that's what we've received because of the deep love of our Father. I pray that you've believed that gospel. You've believed that, yes, you are, you are guilty. You're guilty. And you need Jesus to save you. I pray that you've believed the work that He's done on the cross to take the judgment away from you. To turn God's favor, His love towards you. If you haven't believed that, I pray that you will right now. And if you have questions, please come find me. We'll talk. Reach out to me if you're watching on Facebook. We'll talk. And for those of us, by God's grace, have believed, let's let's remember just how, how much God loves us, even though we were unfaithful, how much God loves us loves us. And let's be determined to value the things that He values. The way of life that He values. Let's honor His faithfulness to us by being faithful in our marriage and faithful to obey His Word for His glory. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your deep, deep love for us. And we thank You for Your Son who took our punishment for us. He took the test that we could never have passed. He took the bitter water that we deserve and He has given us living water. Help us to never get over that. I pray that You would help us to be more and more committed to to being faithful to You. Help us to be more and more committed to telling others about Your great love. We thank you for your word. Pray that you drive it deep into us by your grace. In Christ's name, amen.